beer? Do you want to learn how to make your own beer? It's time for Just Brew It, brought to you by Niagara Tradition Homebrew. Here's your host, Jeremy White and Bert Deister. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to Niagara Tradition's Just Brew It here on ESPN 1520. Jeremy White with Bert Deister. How Good are morning. you? Good. 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 I was your wrapped in winter. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? We're past St. Patrick's Day and it's still winter, which is less than ideal. I've had stabilized a snowblower. I think I said a couple of weeks ago that I didn't want to pull it back out. It got pulled back out. So did the ice hut. Places that I have ice fish, shore fish, and now back to ice fishing. So mm. it's been a very bizarre winter. Not kind on any fermentations you have going in the basement. I yeah. can you know, contest to that. Yeah, and anyone that wants to get out into spring home brewing outside, you've kind of had to wait and yeah. ugh, whatever. Hopefully, and with the the amber waves of dead amber waves of green deadline is only seven days away. I know for me, this constant temperature flux has really wreaked havoc on oh, my fermentation. Yeah. So I think, like a lot of other brewers, I'm trying to rush beers. You know, maybe recipes that I purchased and didn't have time to brew that oh, I really wanted to enter into competition. I'm trying to rush to brew those and bottle those up this weekend. It's been hell trying to keep <laughs> temperature on it, and because I'm doing all these beers, I only got one in the fermentation chamber, so I only have one under true control. Moving the other fermenters around the house, it has not been fun. Yeah. Well, all right, so the Amber Waves of Grain homebrew competition, the deadline for entry is a week from, what's today? today. A week from today. Yeah. <laughs> it's a week from today. Competition is April 13th and 14th, so uh, you still have time to get those in. You can bring uh, unmarked bottles into Niagara Tradition to drop them off. You're going to drop off two bottles, right? Yep, two bottles for each entry. Go ahead and, and sign up online. You can pay. You can register online. Print out your bottle tags, rubber band them to the bottles, and bring them out and in. All right, so that's coming up. So quick thing on St. Patrick's Day. We did a lot about um, – Oktoberfest, right before it is, you know, you're swinging six months out for Oktoberfest. St. Patrick's Day is an, is an Irish holiday, and green beer is uh, – how do you make green beer? You put food coloring in beer. That's yeah, it. yeah, yeah. But there's a new thing uh, – what, what's glitter beer? What's going on with it's, glitter beer? So I, I, we were starting to talk this b- before the show, um, and when St. Patrick's Day came, we were off the air, and this just completely kind of filled my timeline for at least Literally. one day. I got to be honest, of I've, I've the parade pictures and shimmering beer. Okay. And so, you know, I went and watched one or two YouTube tutorials, and it's a product I've seen before, but thankfully never used in beer. Okay. Uh, my, so my wife mentioned this to me. We should go get some glitter beer. And, like, as you mentioned it here, I don't even know what. How does it glitter? Is it it's, just like so? There's a baking additive, and so you can get it in a liquid. You can like brush on or mix in. You can also get it in a um, spray form. The aerosol spray form, I think, is the most popular. So you get this little spray can that I believe has like you know like glucose and sugar, and I forget what the exact like what is causing it, but it has these little speckly flakes in here. Yeah. You know what I mean? A little gelatinized flakes, almost like you know like little like uh, gelatinized confetti. Okay. And they shimmer. And there's also usually a coloring added. Um, and so, like most other food items, people decided this year, hey, let's put it in our beer. And so they did. And so what you end up with, this is kind of like, you know, a hazy, uh, milky, shimmering um, glass of beer. Um, I have to admit that there is some of this in my household that has never been used for beer it was there for baking and no i did not try it nor do i think i ever will but in case you are wondering what you the trick is to spray the glitter into the pint glass you're not trying to spray it on top of the foam and then pour the beer into the pint glass give it a light mix and boom glitter beer 
So, hmm. you know, within two minutes, you can lose all the respect to your friends if you <laughs> want to, you know, very easily. Is um is this a natural start to having the look of beer changing for, you know, like novelty stuff? Like, I'm thinking about, have you seen like this, the coffee I, shops that have like the unicorn frappuccinos now where people are now, and I saw there's a new one coming out today. People are ordering the same drinks but they are fluorescent colors. And if beer can now use baking supplies, like, well, you know what I'm saying? Like, are we entering a time where someone is going to make beer? Well, beer is, I think, always, there's already a cosmetic factor to it. And I think there's a predetermined standard. So, you know, if if you open up a beer and and you pour out, like, something that's glittery, sparkling, odd colors, it's more shocking than it is pleasing. I, I think this will have about the same popularity as, you green know, beer? green beer. Yeah. You know, so there'll be like, we'll have this year is the, everybody's on the radar with it. The next year is, you know, you see it at just about every St. Patrick's Day party. And then you have that one friend who keeps doing it for the next like decade and a half. And that will be the, the progression, I think, of glitter beer kind of down the path of a lot of other novelty beer. Hmm. Uh, okay. I'm picturing like, you know, like the black and tan has a little bit of that. that. That's a little more. Sure, it's. I mean, it's a real yeah. beer. I'm not saying it's. It's not a real beer. It's just the the novelty is the appearance, and I wonder if. Um, I just wonder if there's what's next. I mean, did you ever think you would see glitter beer? Probably not. No, did not think and, I would see glitter beer. Right. I mean, so, like, is the next step something where we're just going to be? So eat, I won't. I won't even try to guess yeah, what the next right, step right. is. All right. I hope it's better than glitter beer. Yeah. Right? My experience with green beer is that one drop of food coloring, maybe in an entire keg, will almost do the job. Yeah, and and I have some experience with green beer uh, from my younger brewing days when it was you know five guys living in one house. We had a light beer on tap. Hey, we didn't get a stout brewed in time for St. Patrick's Day. I got green food coloring, yep. so that's festive. Yep, and we didn't like you know take any guides or try to mix a little and see what would happen. We just put one big squirt and in you turned two, it black, and we turned it black for sure. You know what I mean? So we we were drinking black beer, but it was not you know nice roasty goodness. It was very strange and green tongues all night. Yeah, from uh, Germany and uh, Oktoberfest to St. Patrick's Day, we're going to get into Grodiski for. Uh, for Easter and for the you know the Polish time of year in, in a minute, but before before we do that, um, what's going on at the store? Anything popping in? You, it's tax return season, so you know for monsters, grandfathers, people we talked might- about previously for ha- highlighting another gadget. And, and summer will come. I, th- I thought we would highlight the beer gun this week. So if you're looking for a gadget to waste some tax return money on, um, the beer gun is one that uh, is always popular. We see a lot of people get it during competition time because they're draft brewers. They don't bottle anymore. And they want to enter something into competition and, and they want to get it into a bottle clean because they don't want to enter their beer and, you know, have it be, oh, bad fill, undercarbonated. And so they, they get the beer gun as the excuses to enter the beers in competition. And for you, for those of you who have not seen the beer gun before, it is a gun with a draw tube that hooks up to your keg that puts beer into the bottle. And there's something called a counter pressure filler. So that, you know, flushes CO2 traps the head pressure very slowly brings up the beer from the bottom and then you have to pull off the sealed cap and rush to get your cap on there with the beer gun 
it just slowly backs down the pressure on the way to the filler. So it won't do like champagne for you. Believe me, I've tried. Uh, no matter how much hose you put on there or what kind of restriction elements you put in line. But for beer, and you know, even from low to high carbonation, it does really well at putting the beer into the bottle and keeping it happy so you don't get a big kind of foam up when you fill the bottle. So you can use a full CO2 flush and do it to extreme sanitary levels, take it apart and clean it every time, and you will have beer that will last just like your commercial craft beer. Go ahead, put it up on a you know, a refrigerator yourself and leave it there for a couple of months, it'll be just fine. Um, but a lot of brewers tend to use it as a quick device to fill a six pack, and that's how I use it. So I keep it with star sand filled in it. I quickly spray off the outside, flush it out, and fill up a very quickly sanitized, probably very poorly, six pack to bring over to friend's house. Um, and so what I have is a six pack of beer instead of my normal growler. So when you're sitting around with your buddy and you only consume two beers each, now instead of having this tail end of a growler that you say, well, hey, you live here, I drove, you got to finish that right now, man, or you put it into his fridge and hopefully it sticks around and they, you know, drink it over the next couple of nights. But with the bottle, they're sealed, they'll last a little bit longer. So at the end of the night, you can say, here, put this, put it in your fridge, it'll be good for a while longer whenever you get to it. Um, you can also use it to, you know, kind of kill off the tail end of the keg. If you're getting bored and you need that keg space, you can bottle the last, you know, case in order to kind of get that keg in. And, uh, yeah, having draft beer in a bottle that you can just pop the cap and you don't have to find a glass and just drink it right out of there really is coming full circle as a home brewer. You know what I mean? When you have clear beer, no sediment in a bottle that you can take out, throw in a bucket of ice, um, yeah, really feels good as a home brewer. Okay. So it's about $100 now, or just under $100. Uh, they did an upgrade on the model last Christmas to give it a more ergonomical grip so you're not just holding it by the valves, which is very nice. And for those of you who have an old beer gun, they do have an upgrade available so that you can, for a lot less than $100, turn your old beer gun into a new beer gun with the ergonomic camel. So I'm thinking about doing that this spring. because so I do have one of the old beer guns. I don't use it as much during the winter, but when it comes to summer i'm using it probably more than i'm using my tap yeah so I'm, I'm drinking more beers out in the backyard more you know i'm picnicking at friend's house and uh it makes it a lot easier to take the beer portable all right uh anything else we need to catch up on housekeeping around the we have a couple of things we can always get to we have crystal steam malt in the store now so we talked a little bit about barley types on the last show and a couple of shows before that we talked about the different like malting process so what's a roasted barley toasted and so we talked about crystal malts they wet the malt and then they kiln dried creating a maillard reaction inside the husk um we have a malt in from great western that has been steam caramelized um, so keeping it humid throughout the cooking process and instead of allowing it to slowly dry and then cool drying it later means that this crystal malt does not really have any burnt flavors. Um, it has a lot of uh, caramely flavors, a little bit of Maillard in there, but it shouldn't have any subtle roasty flavors that you normally get in medium Lovabond crystal. So that's new. We have that out and packaged up. Uh, we also, while we don't have one in stock at the moment because I know it's sold, uh, the Fast Ferment has come out with a 14-gallon conical. So a lot of folks who have been wanting a conical and they're you know looking at only thing being available in the larger sizes is stainless steel. Um, and you're looking at like, you know, $500 price range, maybe $400 at best. Um, and they go all the way up to over $1,000. The Fast Ferment plastic conical with a dump valve on it 
is uh, 170, 180. Um, and a very nice option if you're looking for single-vessel fermentation and you're doing 10-gallon batches. Um, it's a really great, I think, introductory price, and we know a lot of people where the fast ferment isn't an introduction to conical fermentation. They end up doubling up on them. One thing you're not going to do if you have a Blickman or SS Brewtech, you know, conical. It's not like you're going to have three of them. Um, you could potentially have one 14-gallon, maybe two 5-gallon, um, fast ferments, and you're still well under the price of the cheapest Blickman option at the 15-gallon. So that's a new item I think we are going to see a lot more movement of as we get into summer and people are kind of brewing bigger batches. All right. Very good. All right, let's get a break in. We'll come back. We'll talk about Krodiskis as uh, we approach Easter, Dingus Day, all that good stuff. So stay tuned. Krodiskis in your uh, yearly trip down uh, the what, polonium? Po- po- the Polish side of this, yeah. whole, this whole brewing and home brewing process. Jeremy White and Bert Deister here on Nog Traditions. Just brew it on ESPN 1520. Jeremy White here for Niagara Tradition Home Brewing Supplies. You're listening to Just Brew It, which means... Either you homebrew or you're thinking about it. Wherever you are in the process, Niagara Tradition Homebrew is your source for everything homebrewing. Do what I did. Get a starter kit, and you'll be well on your way. Niagara Tradition will be there to answer your questions, give you advice, and as I try to become a more seasoned brewer, I know I can count on Niagara Tradition to be there with the supplies and the advice I need. Niagara Tradition Homebrewing Supply. 1296 Sheridan Drive, near Military, in Tonawanda. Open Monday through Friday, 11 to 7, Saturdays, 10 to 4, and 24-7 at nthomebrew.com. Niagara Tradition Homebrew. Pay them a visit, and remember to just brew it. Welcome back to Niagara Tradition's Just Brew It on ESPN 1520. As we uh, get closer to Dingus Day, the day you drink... uh, Grow Disky. What's the famous? Is it's it not Tis- the only day I drink Grow Disky. Sure, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a good six month around okay. Grow Disky. I'm, Tisky, a, I'm a that, true fan. Is that the one? Tisky? Yeah, yes. famous one. Or or I, I think that's actually a Pilsner. Is it? Yeah, because and here's the other thing too. There, there's really not a famous Grow Disky, which is why it's not on a lot of people's mind. Like we do for St. Patrick's Day, Dingus Day, we just get whatever import you know we can normally get, and we serve that to our friends or you know carry it around Buffalo in a six pack or mm-hmm. a backpack, um, and that's the kind of tradition. Now there is a more kind of authentic beer um, for the holiday, um, and being. Uh, you know, a strong, you know, Polish-American heritage. We do see some of it here, not only in our small craft breweries, but also a lot of home brewers make them. And I am always one of them. I usually do two batches a year. One to try to have some on Dingus Day. But then I usually do another because it's a really good beer just to have around in the summer. And it was always kind of known as the kind of working man's beer, the lunchtime beer. So if you've never had this, it can also be called a Grotzer um, if you were getting it in Germany. But it's a beer made of 100% oak-smoked wheat malt. Um, If you are not a fan of smoked beers and you are not a fan of wheat beers, I would still give this a try because that initial description can be very deceiving. Um, It's not like heavy and twangy with a highly, like really estery yeast like you see with like German wheat beers. The oak smoking is is kind of a deceiving. It's not really smoked like Rausch malt is smoked or like peat where like one pound in a five-gallon batch can quickly turn it into a campfire. It's kind of, I think, the better way or the more artful way to put it is like open fire kilned. So there's nothing, there's no floor, you know what I mean, or a solid floor completely blocking the malt 
from the smoke, although it's not like they're not heavy wetting it, trying to fully saturate the smoke onto there. They're letting the humidity out. They're using the fire to dry it. So they're not doing a true smoke on it. And so it ends up with this very lightly subtle smoky flavor. Um, and it's very light-bodied, and it's very low alcohol. So you can see from just the kind of you know terminal stats and the gravity of the alcohol, it's a very refreshing beer to drink. Um, the yeast is kind of varied. It's very clean estered, and it's always served with very high carbonation. And because of the kind of you know basin and you know Bohemia, so in Poland, Czech Republic, we know like the Czech beers and pilsners have really high mineral content. So do the Polish beers. So you end up with this light-bodied, light-colored, almost kind of savory, very refreshing beer. Um, and so it's one I love to have around for that midday. It kind of has that the smokiness and the wheat kind of kind of fools you and puts a little something in your stomach while being only about three to four percent. You know, you can have one and still get your whole, you know, through your afternoon without any major problems. So the history of the beer is it comes from Grow Disc. Uh, Poland and originated all the way back into the 14th and 15th centuries. But um, it's kind of Polish breweries closed in industrialization and kind of German breweries kind of took over. The last Grodyski or Grotzer was being brewed in Germany in the 1980s commercially. So that's why like, well, you know, Dingus Day has really become popular as kind of a, you know, uh, you know, celebration, you know, holiday in Buffalo, um, you know, why haven't we seen this beer before? Because there wasn't one to import. For the longest time, there wasn't anything really to grab as a traditional style. While you're seeing them brewed there now in smaller breweries, and you're seeing them brewed in the U.S. in smaller breweries, they're kind of starting to make a slow comeback. Um, so it's definitely something that you're, you are probably not going to find this out on shelves. It will be a growler fill at the brewery only or something that they'll brew a small batch of to uh, have around just for, you know, the kind of spring season. Um, but if you get a chance, I would highly suggest you try one. It's a very deceiving beer, very clean, very refreshing. Um, and if you're looking to brew one, very cheap to brew um, and fairly easy. I think there's a, kind of a, a fear out of a lot of the home brewers on doing an all-wheat beer that it's just going to be a stuck sparge. And I promise you, I do this without rice hulls every year, two batches, and I don't have major problems. But there's a couple of tricks you can do to get along. One, I always put in a little bit of six-row Pilsner distiller smalt, usually about a half a pound to a pound, whatever I have lying around. This helps me a little bit with conversion, a little bit with husk, and also a little bit with body, too. But those enzymes are really, and proteins are things that I'm after. Um... You can also use the rice hulls. It's not going to screw you up, but I tell people you're only doing on a five-gallon batch here, which you're only hitting three to four percent. You're doing six to you know maybe eight pounds of grain at the most. So you're not going to have a very deep mash. And the oak smoke wheat malt still has some like good husk to it that sticks around. It doesn't have barley or you know oat-like husk, but it still has some good husk to it. And you usually won't have a stuck sparge. You know watch the sparge rate don't try to just drop it if you're a fly sparger you know what i mean try to go slow but it shouldn't clog up on you that said i'm gonna get hammered now with a bunch of people said i didn't pick up the rice hulls <laughs> i got a stuck sparge but I, I you know i have a very simple false bottom a perforated steel chill passion i also do it this year i did it in a cooler 
um, because I was double brewing and it worked out just fine with just a PVC manifold in my old cooler. Um, so watch your flow rate, it will be all right. Now, I think everybody always points to noble hops. And while I admit that will probably do you a little bit better in competition, a couple of years I kind of went for the trek to try to find myself some Polish hops um, because there are a couple of different varieties. And, and there's uh, Lublin is probably the one you're going to be you know, easiest able to get your hands on. But the one thing that I noticed between all of these Polish hops is they were much more fruity um, and almost citrusy compared to their German noble counterparts. So, yes, you can often find Saz, Hallertau, Tetning, or Spalt in a grow disky, and that would be very good for style. But you would probably be also equally in a small, like, you know what I mean, uh, Polish brewing company sometime in the 14th to 19th century were able to find something that also had a very fruity um, kind of finish to it. So usually the first batch that I do for Dingus Day in competition doesn't have any finishing hops or it doesn't use you know any really fruity hops i keep it noble that's the one i'm going to enter into competition the one that i brew to just have around on tap for the summer um that one is uh usually cascade first ward hopped or maybe add a little bit in for a dry hop so i actually make that one kind of like a wheat pale with a little bit more fruity hop character to it and the you know the malt bill really backs it up and works well for that as well um the yeast for this beer is really up for debate. Um, a lot of people use German alt or German lager to get that clean, you know, kind of dry finish. Um, I actually go for usually a clean Belgian ale, um, a little more forgiving on the temperature, uh, a li little more complex of a nose, and um, a little bit easier to maintain if it's your beer that's not in fermentation control. So if it's just sitting out on the kitchen floor or something like that, generally those Belgian yeasts are not going to crash out on you. They're not going to produce high amounts of acetyl aldehyde. You want this beer to be clean. It can have some subtle esters, but you do not want it to be diacetyl, um, appley, or you don't want it to be extremely phenolic. Mm -hmm. So it can be slightly estery. Not, you don't want it to be ester-driven. It's still a malt-focused beer no matter what, but you want a little bit of flavor in there for, you know, whichever yeast you want to use. And that, right. that kind of gives, I think, a really nice nose to it. And again, otherwise you're getting all smoke in the nose and so if you're trying to give it to somebody and that's the only thing they're smelling off it if they don't like smoked beers it can be kind of tough how about the brewing process itself a complicated brew day you have to want to do a protein rest on it um even though this is an all wheat beer it's usually crystal clear you know just because it has wheat and it doesn't mean it's going to be cloudy and even traditionally in a german hefeweizen and it's not the wheat that's making the beer cloudy it's the conditioning yeast that's making it cloudy um with the grotesque it's the same way um you usually do add a kettle coagulant so you will add irish moss as well you do want to do that protein rest uh will also help out with the efficiency as well so that way you're not using you know 10 pounds of grain to try to get this uh, beer up to four percent um and keep it slow keep it slow throughout recycling keep it slow through sparge um i think that's always a good whether you're working with rye barley wheat um i have stuck more all barley mashes than i have more wheat and rye mashes partially because i didn't think it was coming so i'm thinking i can beat the living daylights out of this i can just open up my ball valve walk away let the whole you know mash sparge out all at once come back in you know 15 minutes to start my boil 
and that's when they come back to a stuck sparge. That's when the problems come up. Um, and if you do it with a barley beer, usually you can get turn off the valve, get in there, back flush it a little bit, stir things up, and it will kind of pick itself up. That void space will return to the mash. With the the you know wheat, rye, oats, you know sorghum, this is where it gets really sticky. Once you start beating it up, once you have to like fluff it up again to get the sparge going again, that's where you start to really get yourself stuck on brew day. Okay. So I would highly suggest making this style of beer. Uh, it is one of my favorites, and it's one of the few beers that I brew year after year, you know what I mean, over and over. I don't always make a, you know, stout for St. Patrick's Day. Like this year I had some porter that was sitting around. Um, so for anybody who came over, here's some dark beer. Um, and uh, this is one that I always make. There's definitely, as soon as you pick one up, as soon as you smell it, taste it, there's no comparing to it. So I would highly suggest making one if you never have before. Okay. We've got about uh, two minutes left here. Um, I know you had some stuff about brewer guidelines maybe being changed. So so there's the BJCP guidelines. Let me start off with this kind of disclaimer. And that's what you're going to see in competition for home brewers. The Beer Judge Certification Program uh, has, you know, a strict set of guidelines for different styles and suggestions that are based off of commercial examples um the brewers association which is a trade association for american brewers um put out new guidelines as of 2018 so i've gotten a few calls this week people ask me are are there new guidelines or you know is this going to be 2018 guidelines for this upcoming competition no it's still going to be the 2015 guidelines but this kind of change in the style is kind of a note that you're going to see this come to the BJCP in the next couple of years. So they just put out, right before the hazy IPA craze, they put out new guidelines in 2015. And what they didn't have in there were the kind of juicy and hazy and hoppy beers, IPAs, pale ales, hoppy wheat beers. And now those are going to be in the commercial kind of the, you know, craft brewing guidelines for 2018 as well as a kind of contemporary american pilsner which is like an american pilsner that isn't like a you know mass produced you know very light adjunct filled pilsner australian style pale ales so kind of those tropical fruit pale ales using galaxy you know vic secret dr rudy and they're also going to have goes and contemporary goes in as separate american styles now um and so if you're looking for like a contemporary goes like um you have new york beer project they do their uh passion fruit goes which is very good and so they're going to get outside the traditional belgian styles and into kind of some more mixed one but of course what everybody is really excited about is we do have insight starting guidelines for a bjcp hazy ipa oh nice so it, it this is what it is this is what this means see they're going to look at commercial examples you see what commercial brewers do they're generally the better ones and this will slowly cycle down into us to newer categories you got it gotcha very cool all right that's it for us this week uh if you ever miss an episode find it on demand at wgr's website or espn 1520's website uh, on demand any episode you want we'll be back next saturday here on niagara traditions just brew it on espn 1520 you've been listening to just brew it brought to you by niagara tradition home brew whether you're a seasoned brewer or just want to get started visit them at 1296 sheridan drive in tonawanda or online at nthomebrew.com and be sure to Tune in next week for another episode of Just Brew It.